According to writer-producer-director John Hughes' son James in a 2015 Chicago Magazine article, it was on August 8th, 1989, that the elder Hughes jotted down a movie idea in a notebook, an idea that sprang to his mind during the Hughes family's first trip to Europe. When the family came back to the U.S. two weeks later, John Hughes returned to the premise, what if one of the kids had been accidentally left behind? It was 30 years ago, in November of 1990, that the John Hughes idea-turned-movie debuted on movie screens and became a monster hit. Today we're going to look at the story behind one of the most popular films shot in the Chicago area, Home Alone. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. If the name John Hughes doesn't sound familiar, you're either super young or super old. A little background for everybody. After writing scripts for the successful films National Lampoon's Vacation and Mr. Mom, both released in 1983, Michigan-born Hughes went on to have a hand in some of the biggest teen movies of the 1980s, starting with 16 Candles in 1984, Weird Science and The Breakfast Club, both released in 1985, Ferris Wheeler's Day Off and Pretty in Pink in 1986, Some Kind of Wonderful, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in 1987, She's Having a Baby in 1988, and in 1989, Uncle Buck, starring the lovable John Candy and a charismatic young actor named Macaulay Culkin. So prolific was Hughes in the 1980s that he wrote 16 films and directed eight. Back to that script, Hughes finished it in nine days, which included an eight-hour session to nail down the last 44 pages, and presented it to execs at Warner Brothers, where he had a production deal and got a green light for a $10 million budget. More on that later. In 1989, Chris Columbus was a young filmmaker trying to get his feet under him. He had written Gremlins and The Goonies and had moderate success with his debut directing effort, Adventures in Babysitting. But his most recent film, Heartbreak Hotel, starring David Keith, Tuesday Weld, and Charlie Schlatter, was a bomb. John Hughes brought Chris Columbus on to direct Christmas Vacation, but Columbus and the film star Chevy Chase did not get along. Columbus would later say about Chase, quote, To be completely honest, Chevy treated me like dirt, end quote. Columbus stuck it out a little longer without improvement in the relationship with the notoriously difficult Chase and then called Hughes to say he wanted off the film. Hughes obliged. In an industry where this kind of upheaval could fracture relationships, John Hughes was not only not angry with Columbus, he actually sent two scripts to Columbus, who was staying at his in-law's house in River Forest, a suburb about 12 miles west of downtown Chicago. One of the scripts was for Home Alone. Columbus eagerly accepted. For a film about a young boy left behind by his family, who then must defend his home against robbers to be a success, the casting of the main actor in the role of Kevin McAllister had to be just right. 
For John Hughes, who had directed Macaulay Culkin in Uncle Buck, there was a specific scene in that film that stuck out in his mind. Buck, John Candy's character, leaves the suburban home where he is watching his brother's kids temporarily unattended, and Culkin's character Miles stakes out the front door, peering through the mail slot for potential threats and even interrogating a potential babysitter. Chris Columbus was a fan of Culkin as well, but doing his due diligence as a director, he saw 200-plus kids in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York, and dug through hundreds of videotape submissions. Macaulay Culkin came in to read for the part and officially locked up the role. Cast as Peter McAllister, Kevin's father was John Hurd, who had started out as a stage actor and had appeared in the films Chud, that's cannibalistic, humanoid underground dwellers martin scorsese's after hours big with tom hanks and beaches with bett midler among others the role of kate McAllister, kevin's mom went to longtime canadian second city comedy performer Catherine o'hara who appeared in a few films and smaller roles including like john hurd martin scorsese's after hours before landing the role of delia deets in tim burton's film beetlejuice in 1988 The character of Marv Merchants, yes, the bandits had last names, was played by Daniel Stern, who had built up an impressive acting resume, appearing in films by directors Barry Levinson, Woody Allen, and Robert Redford, but at the time of casting was most recognizable as the voiceover actor narrating The Wonder Years on TV. Harry Lime, the shorter of the two wet bandits, so-called because they would clog sinks and let the water run in houses they burgled, was played by Joe Pesci, who, after a star-making turn in Martin Scorsese's 1980 film Raging Bull, appeared in a few less-than-stellar films, 1983's Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield, anyone? before landing the comedic role of Leo Getz in Lethal Weapon 2, which opened in July of 1989. Sure, Pesci would go on to greater fame with films like Goodfellas, Casino, and Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. I'm kidding about that last one. His star wasn't shining as brightly until he appeared in Home Alone. Fun fact, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci were both in a 1982 film called I'm Dancing As Fast As I Can with Jill Clayburgh as two patients in a mental institution, although their roles were cut significantly. Stern was also in Chud, if you don't remember, Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers with John Hurd. Also interesting, Daniel Stern's contract was for six weeks of filming. The filmmakers went back to Stern to say they would actually need him for eight weeks, but didn't have the budget to pay him more. Stern walked and was replaced by actor Daniel Roebuck. Roebuck performed opposite Joe Pesci, but according to sources, Pesci didn't feel the chemistry was there. Roebuck was let go and Stern was recruited once again. The children in the family were cast primarily from actors around Chicago, except for the role of Fuller, the bedwetter. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Which was played by Macaulay Culkin's real-life brother, Kieran. 
Another fun fact, Ken Hudson Campbell, who played Santa in Home Alone, was born in suburban Elmhurst, Illinois, and was part of Second City before moving on to a long acting and voiceover career. Campbell claims one of the actors who also auditioned for the Santa role. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, if you make it quick, Santa's got a little get-together he's late for. Chris Farley. There are a few other roles I'll get to later, but one of the most important characters, and I'm using finger quotes, in the film is undoubtedly the McAllister House. That big, beautiful house is situated in the northern suburbs of Winnetka, Illinois, about 22 miles outside of downtown Chicago. According to Winnetka historical documents, construction for the house was approved in November of 1920. The house is even featured in a September 1974 issue of Better Homes and Gardens. Other than exterior shots, most of the filming of the interior house scenes for Home Alone were shot in the nearby Nutrier West High School, where they were able to recreate the interior of the family home, which had closed years earlier. Nutrier West was also used in scenes in Uncle Buck and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The walkie treehouse in the backyard with the attached zip line that was added for the movie. That one wasn't much of a surprise. A recent Vanity Fair piece on Home Alone also revealed something else I didn't know until now. The exterior stairway to the basement that Daniel Stern's character Marv would eventually slip down? Fake. According to the home's owner at the time, quote, They brought in a backhoe and dug up the property and put in fake steps and a fake door. And then after the shoot... They filled all that back in and resodded. You could never tell that that had happened. Filming began in February of 1990 and very quickly ran into budget problems. The production team let Warner Brothers know they would need $14.7 million to finish the film. Warner Brothers countered with $13.5 million. After all, this was not a major film with a who's who of the 80s cast that included the name Stallone or Gibson, Schwarzenegger, or Eastwood. It was a comedy with a relatively unknown kid. Hughes and company were hopeful Warner Brothers would see the light, but they did not, and production was shut down. In Hollywood, there are many, many unfinished films sitting on shelves for a variety of reasons. Sometimes an actor dies during production that is irreplaceable. And of course, now with advances in CGI technology, even that issue can be overcome. But running out of money can be the death of a production, except in the case of Turnaround. Turnaround is what happens in Hollywood where one studio decides to walk away from a film or TV project but is willing to sell it off to another studio, often for the amount the first company has invested. Enter 20th Century Fox. John Hughes had recently had a meeting with someone at Fox and discreetly left behind a copy of the script for Home Alone. As Warner Brothers was pulling the plug on Home Alone, 20th Century Fox eagerly stepped in, agreeing to Hughes' budget. As February of 1990 was mild in Chicago, many, many refrigerated trucks full of shaved ice arrived each shooting day to cover the streets and lawns with fake snow for external shots. 
The entire film was shot with reds and greens in nearly every shot to really drive home the Christmas theme. Even the Tic Tacs Santa gives Kevin. Everybody sees Santa's got to get something. Here, pull out your little paw there. There you go. Don't spoil your dinner. We're green. While the filmmakers had contracted with the homeowners of the Home Alone house for six weeks of shooting, they ended up shooting there for nearly four months. John Candy, who, as mentioned earlier, was in the John Hughes film Uncle Buck and also Hughes' planes, trains, and automobiles, had a very tight schedule and was available for less than 24 hours to film his scene as... Allow me to introduce myself. Gus Polinski. How are you? Polka King of the Midwest. Candy did the role as a favorite of the filmmakers, and according to the Netflix show The Movies That Made Us, even the pizza delivery guy in the film made more than Candy. Dan Charles, the pizza guy, made $500 per day for shooting, while John Candy made $414. John Candy would go on to appear in the Chris Columbus written and directed film Only the Lonely, which was also produced by John Hughes and also shot here in Chicago, in March of 1991. The character of Old Man Marley, the so-called South Bend Shovel Slayer, was played by Roberts, with an S, Blossom, a TV actor turned film actor, who appeared in Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood, Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and as Judge Evans in Doc Hollywood. It was Chris Columbus who did an uncredited rewrite of the church scene dialogue between Marley and Kevin to really amp up the sentimentality. As many fans of Home Alone already know, and some of you are about to learn, the movie within a movie, Angels with Filthy Souls, with the line, Keep the change, you filthy animal was not a real movie. The aged gangster who utters that line was played by Chicago-born character actor Ralph Foody, who appeared in numerous films set in Chicago, including Andrew Davis-directed films Above the Law, Code of Silence, and The Package, 1991's John Hughes film Curly Sue, and also uttered a memorable line in The Blues Brothers. Use of unnecessary violence in the apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been approved. In an early draft of the script, there was to be a post-credit scene where wet bandits Marv and Harry are in prison watching Angels with Filthy Souls with other inmates. When the Keep the Change line comes on the TV, the two look at each other knowingly, realizing how they had been duped. Home Alone's final budget came in around $18 million for you Chicagoans of a certain age. The movie's premiere was held on November 10th, 1990 at the late great McClurg Court Theaters. Man, I missed that place. With the reception after at Bub City. When it officially opened on November 16th, 1990, filmmakers were hopeful the film would have an $8 million opening. They must have been stunned when the tally came in at 17 million. Home Alone was the number one film for 12 consecutive weeks. While most films gradually decrease the number of screens on which a film is shown as interest wanes, theaters had to keep adding screens to keep up with demand. 
reaching the peak number after it had been in release for eight weeks. The $285 plus million North American gross was the highest ever for a live-action comedy in a single territory. Home Alone held on to that record for an amazing 27 years. In 2017, a Chinese film called Never Say Die earned $286 million in its homeland, taking the title. If you adjust for inflation, however, Home Alone is still tops. Factoring in worldwide box office for Home Alone, roughly $477 million, and adjusting for inflation, it is a nearly $1 billion film. Hard to believe someone at Warner Brothers didn't want to pony up that extra $1.2 million for the production budget. In a 2015 article about the 25th anniversary of Home Alone, Chicago Sun-Times film critic Richard Roper recalled stopping by the Home Alone house in the winter of 1991, a full year after the release of Home Alone. Roper witnessed 400 vehicles that had lined up outside the house on both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and that about 35 cars an hour were still making their way down the normally quiet Winnetka Street. Two years later, in November of 1992, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York was released, once again written by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus, with more ensuing McAllister mayhem. While the film did well, with an opening weekend box office that was north of $31 million, it couldn't quite capture the magic of the original. Merchandising for the Home Alone franchise was rampant and included three video games, two board games, a novelization, and even the Talk Boy, which wasn't a real thing before Home Alone 2, but became so quickly after. Other Culkin-less sequels followed, including Home Alone 3, which featured a 12-year-old actress named Scarlett Johansson as the main character's sister, John Hughes did write the screenplay for that one, and it somehow eked out $79.1 million at the box office. The exterior of the Home Alone house has been changed over the last few years. There is now a fence, and the half-circle driveway is no more. But even from a distance, it is unmistakable as the house where Kevin McAllister defended his family home from the Wet Bandits. Thank you for listening to today's episode about the holiday film favorite Home Alone. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have a different topic you think might be a good fit for a future episode of the Chicago History Podcast, I can be reached by email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to John K. Schneider for creating the Chicago History Podcast logo and the art used on the social media pages. He can be found at angeleyesartjks on Instagram or via email at angeleyesartjks at gmail.com. If you would, the next time someone asks if you have any podcast suggestions, please mention the Chicago History Podcast. We would love to reach new listeners and fans of Chicago history. We'll be back with one more holiday story suggested by a listener next week. Until then, stay safe.